The best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. Ernest Hemingway Bending Not Breaking The Dragon Prince Edition Reflections The Changing of the Guard Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. This is your host, Ben Pruitt, and we are talking about changing of the guard today. And of course, we have our friends back. Uh, Chris and Devin are just really honoring all of our listeners and just honoring all the fans by giving us all of their time to talk about these things. And so I just, I, you know, we talk about gratitude a lot, but I just really want to express my gratitude to both of you for just continuing to offer your time and limited resources to be a part of this. Uh, thank you, I'm really grateful. Which brings us to changing of the guard. We're talking about trust today is our lens. And so, you know, we like to start off big. What does trust look like? What is it? Tell us all about your concept of trust. Whomever would like to go first. And the squirming begins. Yeah, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Um, right. Completely unrehearsed, uh, off the cuff answer. Um, it's a little bit like some of the intimacy stuff we just talked about for the, the previous episode. Um, I think trust is putting something about yourself into someone else's hands and believing with all your heart that they will do their best not to hurt you or use that against you or, you know, uh, betray you in any capacity with with the the things you have shared with them with the 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 task you have uh entrusted to them um it it's a vulnerability it's one of the the the, the things we discussed before i think um and that's that's my gut <laughs> i love it what about you chris um honestly i was sitting here like yes of course and then something in the back of my head clicked and i realized I think trust is, to me, I think I would actually define it like knowledge of someone, which means you're paying attention to them. And I think this is the part that just clicked with me. I think it can have a positive arc and also a negative arc where you can trust that someone will do something uh, bad because they've done this before. They've established a pattern. Um, I think that's that's the not good side of trust but it still comes from being around someone long enough to notice what they do what they're like and and let that inform you about who they are um ideally you know the the kind of trust especially in changing of the guard the kind of trust that is is the good sort is the the kind that you get from watching someone do things that are healthy and positive um, toward everybody or toward you specifically. And that does make you want to get closer to them and establish maybe a, a, another layer to the intimacy that you're building in whatever relationship you're creating with them. Um, but that when you look at someone long enough, you you learn to trust their patterns, whether either of you really like uh, consciously acknowledge that that's what's happening. It's just sort of paying attention to a person and getting to know who they are and trusting that they will continue to be like that 
if they engage with you specifically doing different things or or more of the same things wow it's it's just paying attention i think yeah and I mean, we've talked about trust several times on the podcast before and you know as many times as we talk about it there's always something new to be gleaned because it's just such a big word right there's just so much connotation there's so much uh, every culture has a different concept of it. There's just a lot going on. And I think the thing that helps me think about trust often is that often it feels like there's this, uh, ebb and flow of, I need, in order for me to have trust somebody, I need them to be vulnerable first versus, oh no, in order for me to be vulnerable, I need to trust them first. Right. And there's this like weird paradox of in order to trust someone, I need them to do something first. And what trust really requires from, from me really is for somebody to go first, somebody has to be vulnerable in order for trust to, uh, in order for the good trust, uh, to, to increase in a way. And so I guess that's, that's the kind of thing that I I've been thinking about. And I really love looking at this short story that is here for us with, with changing of the guard to think about trust here because Soren is, um, over the course of two years or, or at least somewhere within this two year span, Corvus has built up trust with Soren, right? And it's this really cool thing that we've kind of see grow into this, like, I got to ask this question. And it's just really beautiful. So I'm, I'm really grateful to, to talk about it. Um, okay. We get to go into the, the interesting things now. Are you ready? Bring it. <laughs> okay. So uh, one of the things I really found just really endearing about this is the idea that Corvus is getting to know Soren just as Soren is getting to know Corvus and just from an observational standpoint. And one of the things that Corvus observes of Soren is that he seems to say that Soren gets more and more active the more nervous he is. And so he starts doing more push-ups, he starts doing more lunges, he starts doing things to distract his body from his mind or use his body to distract from his mind. And this is like his nervous tick as Corvus kind of describes it. And I'm curious for, for you, do you have a tick? Like when you're in the office, uh, how, how do people know if you're nervous? What are the things that you do? Is it happen in your body? Does it happen in your, uh, your words? I'm curious what happens for you. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this is an unfair question. Uh, <laughs> I kind of am. Um, I think the simple answer for me is that I'm constantly, I, I like physically need something to do with my hands. So right now I'm like occupied because I have this coffee to, to like hold and touch. But like during meetings, I think people will see me like look down and I'll fiddle with this object, which is like a skin clipper and I'll like hurt myself with it. It's really terrible. Um, yeah, I just I like constantly I'm doing things with my hands. And if I don't have something to do with my hands, I will use my hands against themselves and I'll like pick at my nails and stuff like that. Um, this is this is not good. None of this is like healthy. Um, but, you know, it, it has led to me, especially on camera, like I see myself doing it. Like I've been so much, quote, better about it since Zoom because I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like <laughs> I'm holding some <laughs> object and just like, like going nuts on it. Um, I hope Let my team Devin draw 2022. No, I was about to say the actual thing that has come of this, uh, especially in lockdown is, uh, and I, I tell Chris this all the time, like I'm in a brainstorm and I can't, I can't draw today. Um, but like during 
COVID and during the remote work, I've actually discovered a really nice thing, which is like, if I have my meeting on one monitor, I have like an art program on the other. And if I'm like doodling, it actually like, it takes so much of the anxiety out of like my physical body and lets me sort of like think about the brainstorm and be in my imagination, but also just be like using my hand to yeah. destroy things. Anyway, this has been a long, really a terrible answer for like, uh, but um, there's nothing terrible about it. I think it's, it's been a mental health exercise. <laughs> Well, like, and I think instead of picking true. up sharp things to hurt yourself with during meetings uh, and just draw a picture, you loser. That's, that's been my, my, my character arc. Well, one, I, I, I just, one, I appreciate your honesty. This, like this is, you didn't have to go into all of that and you, you did. And I think that's really wonderful that you're kind of giving us some insight into this, because I think what you're offering a lot of people, right. Is saying that this is something that is totally okay. Right. Being able to, or rather, needing that outlet to, to draw or to doodle or to uh, do something with your hands is something that a lot of people engage with. And it's a really a problem in classrooms, right? Where teachers expect people like, no, I need you to have your eyes on me. I need you to not be doing anything with your hands because if you're doing that, then you're not paying attention and you're not doing things right. Oh, impossible. I could, I doodled in all my classes too. And I guess this, this yeah. all now connects thinking back to school. I'm like, oh yeah, my papers had like doodles all over them. Yeah. I wish I was like, Soren's actually developed a really good coping mechanism for like nerves is that what if I just <laughs> worked out like, right? I could be so ripped if I just like were pumping iron during every meeting I'm in <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just I just I guess it's an invitation for teachers because not all teachers right it's this is but in general I would say teachers um to I- invite that uh invite the children's bodies into their learning right invite them into getting to embody the learning that they're doing. And sometimes that means they're gonna doodle and right? That doesn't mean they're not paying attention at Matt. It means they're doing the best they can to be present. Um, and so how do we assume the best of people who are uh, not according to your standard of paying attention, right? And I just love that you've kind of invited us into that as a, as a thought process. Um, Chris, what about you? Do you have, uh, do, you, do you do lunges and pushups or do you have something else that you do? I, oh Lord, super angsty. Um, I have a couple of iffy coping mechanisms. Um, I have a big deal with silence and, and who is doing the silencing. If it's me, it's okay. And that's one of the things that I do when I'm stressed is I just shut up um, and I'll, I'll go quiet. I'll stop typing all, you know, whatever. And I'll just, um, I'll look like I'm there, but I've decided on the inside to stop trusting it just sort of there's just boom it's done we're not engaging and you just it's not it's not great it's not great so the fact that i'm just like right now this is great this is how i like to be where i'm just like ah um but it's there are moments when i feel uh that i'm i'm not safe or i'm not comfortable or i'm too anxious or you know just lots of things um and what i will do about it is i will go quiet and I will just uh, not use my voice. And that's, mm. uh, I don't like that I've learned this. I'm trying to work through that. It's not, yeah. um, it's not good to not share, I think. Um, when, you, when you're silent and you don't offer anything of yourself to the people around you, they can't engage with you very easily. Yeah. And they do misinterpret and they make judgment calls based on that. And that can make things worse. You kind of get a cascade from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's not healthy. It's not good. So um, I'm working on that. Another thing is that I will pace. 
um, mm. round and round and round and round. That's for other reasons, but um, I find that uh, like like Devin uh, uses her hands a lot. I find that when my body is in motion, just from walking, my brain kind of settles a little bit and I can focus, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting to me because it took me um, until lockdown basically to to discover this little teeny weeny little superpower. I I can write on my phone in a dock while I'm pacing around my house for an hour. And I can't sit still and do it, but I can walk around and around and around, or outside if it's nice. Um, and that's uh, interesting because it's, again, it's a thing where my body needs something and my brain would like to do something else. So yeah. if I'm going to trust myself and work with myself, I need to consider what my body needs and yeah. find a way to give it to it if I can. And then we can work together to do what I'm trying to get done. Yeah. In a way, I'm just kind of thinking about how, uh, you know, it, it feels like we're learning to trust what our body is telling us, right? There's this trust that's happening with our within ourselves of when my body is offering me this nervous energy, I need to figure out how to listen to it, right? Um, and if I learn how to listen to it, that means I'm going to be able to have a stronger relationship with who I am and potentially um, live more fully into my values, right? So... Uh, I'm just, I'm hearing that kind of reciprocal relationship between mind, body, and how we honor the relationship between who we are, right? Um, it's just, oh, it's really cool. I didn't feel anything. Um, okay, cool. So we, we, we now, we know a little bit about like our, our Soren uh, relationships, like the things we do. But now, uh, one of the things we really haven't really talked about at large, and I don't know uh, what y'all's relationship with this is, but a lot of fan, like like fans do this out the wazoo. And so this is shipping, right? So people who like vision cast who should be together and why. And some people are like very vehement about their choices. And some people are like, oh my God, I just love this. And they're just like, it's fine if it doesn't happen. So some people are like hardcore and some people are like, I can see it. I want it to happen, but like it might or might not. And so I'm, I'm curious, what is your relationship with shipping in general? And if you do have ships for the, the dragon prince, I'm, I'm curious about that too. And so there's a lot going on. Tell me, tell me about all the things. I got to go up front on this one and say I'm super, super not allowed to talk about Dragon Prince shipping. Um, <laughs> I will get in trouble. Um, so I'm not gonna, but I, I, I do, I, I really like writing romance. So I think like I kind of look for it in everything that I engage with. And so like I have, I have shipping tendencies and I have fun with that in other IPs and other fandoms that I'm just a, a, a heinous little goblin running around in. So like, um, a lot of, I guess the one that I got really into was uh, in Bloodborne, like, the the player character, the hunter, and this guy called Alfred. I can't get enough of that. It's it's so horrible and great. Um, but yeah, I do this all the time. I just can't do it on, on the Dragon Prince. So I, I'm going to zip it. So I'm curious, like, I don't know that fans know that you can't talk about that. So is, can you just give it like a, like, tell, like why? And I, like, it makes sense in my head, but like, can you, like, is there, is there a way to say, be more explicit about why that's not allowed? Um, I guess it's more of a, a soft, not allowed to do it. Um, it's because of setting expectations um, and not giving any sort of like indication or false promise to, yeah. you know, people who are engaging with the story. Um, because at the end of the day, like the story is 
going to be what it is. And there's, yep. even if there's stuff that I think like I would ship in a vacuum, if I were a fan, um, yeah. it is not necessarily something that I will find the place to put into the, the show, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just the way of working on something. I think like, it, <sighs> there's all sorts of things that I would love to do in the canon of the show, all sorts of them, the shipping aside, like there's, there's crazy stories I would love to be able to spin off and do like, what if I had, you know, a whole 22 minute episode to do this stupid idea that I had. And I, unfortunately I don't have that. I don't have yeah. the hundreds of thousands of dollars to just do that. Um, so the story, like the canon story that you see in the cartoon is going to be a very deliberate story. Utilizing every minute of animation time we have to to accomplish that, yeah. um, and that means that like a lot of our own personal like desires as writers will be unfortunately like not really manifest on the screen. Yeah. Um, again, this is not entirely just about shipping. There's like other, of course. Let me think. Sure. There's like character side characters I had ideas for that unfortunately just like never made it into the show. Yeah. Um, uh, there's characters that made it on the screen for like half a second, and you know I was just like uh, a good example is the the winged dragon guard who flies away um in two or 308 uh i have some ideas about who he might be but like will he ever be a, a huge meaningful character on the show like remains to be seen despite <laughs> all the ideas i have about who he is yeah i'm not entirely positive that i will be able to put all that on the screen so it's yeah. the same thing for shipping i mean like i would love to for example, talk about Lou Jane and all her husbands, uh, but the show's not about that. So I can't. <laughs> so it's really just a matter of like, you know, not setting people up to, or not hinting at things in a way that like leads people to expect something out of the show that yeah won't. It also really makes a lot manifest. of sense. Yeah, I, I, I was just, I think that's helpful for people to hear, right? Because a lot of times they'll be like, oh my gosh, what do you think? And then you're like. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of things for like for sure. I yeah. do nothing but think but think about stuff like this. That's that's not true. But again, I can't really talk about it at least until like at the end of the show when the show's over. I might, I'll maybe I'll be happy to talk about all yeah. of the the things that what could I personally been? saw in the characters' relationships and how I how I thought about them, even if like they didn't entirely get the you know screen time that <laughs> that that impulse of mine would have loved to run down. Um, yeah this is this is too long of an answer to say like dragon prince canon is a collaborative effort and it has a, it's it serves a certain set of story needs and not all of those story needs are going to allow what brainworms i may or may not have about certain pairings to, to come to fruition you know? heard and i think that's really helpful but all right well, well chris and you might have a similar answer but i'm just i'm curious too for for you what's what's going on in your shipping world oh my gosh i i apologize <laughs> We're the worst answerers of this question. <laughs> um, honestly, I I um I don't really do much shipping, which is hilarious because, Me either, because I have <laughs> I have an OTP in the Dragon Prince, but but listen to me, listen. I didn't know what that even was until I found the Dragon Prince. Okay, this is how unshippy I am. <laughs> tell me, tell me what. Just, OTP is let's say um, OTP is one true pairing it's ah. it's your your favorite two people smushed together whether it's it's canon or not it's like oh you know it's the the coolest pairing that you know it's the best it's the one that gives you the brain worms the exactly exactly the one that just lives forever in your head and you make art or you write fanfic or you can't shut up about it yeah <laughs> and some people have an OTP in like every fandom like it's a different one in each fan and that's yeah. you know totally cool I I really just have the one. 
um, I like mini ships. I'm like, oh, this is this is quality ship, or this is a great crack ship. I could, I could, I, 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 I don't think this movie would be canon, but I like thinking about it. Um, but I, I just sort of look at it when it's in front of me, and then I, I do other things with my time. Yeah. Um, but um, Runan and Athari is the ship that I cannot stop thinking about. I love them to death. They're the best. They have a weirdly um, high number of familiar aspects of their relationship, which is not something that I thought I would ever find a anywhere and b in a kids' cartoon. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it really just caught me off guard. Um, first, Runan, because I didn't start watching the show until season two came out. That's when I fell into the fandom. And um, so first he was oddly relatable. And I was, I just kept looking at him like, sir, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the things I'm relating to about are, are horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and then we got season three and Athari came along and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. This is the best because he basically fit so many of my head cannons and my wishes and my I was like who does Runan need oh my gosh yeah. please give him somebody yeah and that was that was already worked out that was already in existence and that's how I thought he came out uh looking uh, just dazzling yeah. uh and and such a good fit this is the thing that I love about him is back to the the concept of intimacy he was he was crafted basically uh, crafted for Runan specifically. That's, that's my favorite. Look at me. I'm just ah. It's I got. I cannot get over it. I cannot get over it. They're they're just two pieces of the same puzzle. And uh. I just I love them to death. I love taking them apart and putting them back together again over and over. And look, it just fits every time. It's great. Yeah. They yeah. they fit each other in so many different um tropes. Is is what I like. You can write. I can write them in anything, yeah. um, but but it's funny because I just I literally don't do this with anyone else um, because I just there's I don't have this whatever that threshold is of I connect with both of these characters in some yeah. some way. I just so I don't have that. that. You're like you're both like I don't really ship anything, and, and then we just like. I was thinking of yesterday, I was in a chat with my World of Warcraft guild, and someone like lightly mentioned two characters who have never, ever interacted in canon. It's just like this ancient time-traveling dragon man, and this like creepy void eldritch lady who is like a big mystery in the story. And I'm like, and someone said like, oh, get your harbors ready, because uh, being your shipping harbor. And I was like, what if these two men? And like, I've been thinking about it literally since yesterday. And I'm like, now I, I, I like love time, like, like time dragon dad and like creepy eldritch nightmare mom and i'm, yeah. I'm like all about it suddenly well, <laughs> it's like that's all it takes for him very simple oh it's it's interesting too to think about because i think shipping is a culture that also is a predominant expression for uh queer identifying people often and it's one of those those things where because media so often doesn't provide a vision of uh, a queer relationship, often it requires shipping. It requires this concept of how do I visualize these characters with someone that I 
can that I can kind of feel is close to me. And in a way, this is happening. The reason I ask this question with this story is because there are a lot of people that started seeing Soren and Corvus together because of this. And so Sorvis was born um, and it might've been born before this, but um, it, for a lot of people, it was like, this is now canon <laughs> in their, in their head canon space. Right. And um, it's interesting because I, I think that, you know, uh, Jesse was on one of our pride episodes. And so there's this natural connection to potentially see Soren kind of living into this possibility as well. And so I just, I, I just find it really interesting that uh, shipping in general offers a, uh, a really important way to see something that isn't often on screen. Um, so I just, I, it's a, it's a neat little concept. And so I'm, I'm all about other people doing it. I just don't necessarily need to do it myself. <laughs> I will say about Soren and Corvus, I think like, no matter how you interpret their relationship, I think there's something really healthy and delightful about seeing yeah. two dudes, like just have this really like healthy thing, like going back to what yes. we talked about earlier. I yes. really enjoy that. Corvus picks up on this like way that Soren's anxiety manifests and like isn't annoyed by it. He just like reads him and is like, okay, if this is the signal I'm picking up from him, like how do I address what he's actually sort of getting at? And I think that's there's just like a healthy dynamic between them. And like yeah. in any universe, I really, really, really love writing them. Like like they're um not to I don't want to overspoil it, but like there's just some moments in upcoming seasons with them that are really, really delightful. Um because they just yeah. they have a great you heard vibe. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I like it's I think that you know I, I come from a perspective of like queer is not just queer uh in terms of uh LGBTQ but also queer as in like the larger umbrella of queer that is not the quote not normal uh so destabilizing what normal is and in a way this is a queer relationship because it, our our culture sees this toxic masculinity often that is being turned on its head Right. And so in a way, regardless of whether they are uh, platonic or romantic, regardless of what happens there, it is a queer relationship in that regard, because it's offering us a different vision of what masculinity masculinity can be. Right. It's this uh, portrait of something that we can live into that is healthy, that is loving, that is kind um, between two men. And I think that's just we always want more of that, right? Like, like, let's always get more of that on the page, on the screen, on air, everywhere. So here, here, men loving each other. Super cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So in that, uh, that's kind of bringing me to my kind of final question for us, which is, is there anything else that we want to focus on for, for this episode that, or this episode for this episode on this short story that um, we want to touch on before we venture to gratitude? Oh gosh, there's I can't think of anything specifically, but I really liked writing this one. It it really like hit it. a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um it, it had so many high notes um in there. I really love Soren. I really like what little we've gotten to know about Corvus. I loved uh climbing inside Corvus's head and writing from his perspective. It was it was just a delight. Uh the castle, the setting um the little little sprinkly details I got to add in there feel free to pick up and run with those for your fix guys <laughs> um it was um it was just really nice I really enjoyed their dynamic the the two of them because it is it is healthy they've both been through 
rough times. And yet they are still like this with each other. They are still like this as people. This is, they can be this kind and this, they can slow down and walk beside each other and look at each other and be like, this is the, this is the person I'm currently with. I'm going to give my attention to this person that's right here because they deserve that from me. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to leave all warm and fuzzy. Uh, not because of <laughs> gratitude, because of everything that just came up. Okay, but let's move to gratitude because that's great too. Uh, okay, um, so who is a character in the Dragon Prince universe that you would be friends with in real life, right? Uh, so, and, and what about that friendship um, helps you feel grateful about who that person is and what they would offer? And I, I'll go first because this is on my mind, but I'm... I'm you know, one of the things I really appreciate about this this short story was it gave me something that we didn't have before about Corvus. In, uh, that Cor- we knew that Corvus was, you know, really good at obser- observation, right? He's super cool at following, being in the background and observing. And um, that tracked here in a way that was really, really beautiful and just shows that he's attentive in more ways than one. And I think that would be a really valuable in a friend. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for Corvus. Um, but I'm curious about both of you. I'm, who, who would you be friends with and why would you be grateful for that? I could pick, it's weird. I have two very different people coming to mind. I have Corvus would be great, but also Sarai, if I could drag her in. Mm. Um, I think because what they're both observant. They're both observant and they say what they see. They don't really mm, they don't really have a lot of hesitation or or clouding in their head about oh is this okay to say um they're like no this is what I see and I'm I'm valid. So I'm my perspective is valid and I'm going to speak it. I think that's in a way very courageous of both of them considering the circumstances that they were in. But just in general, um I think that's something that I would like to practice more of. Um I think it's a good a good uh level of self-appreciation and self-awareness. Um and I think it's just a good practice as a human among other humans. Or, or elves or, or dragons or whoever, um, that you can respect your own perspective and give it as much weight as everybody else's and contribute by speaking up and saying what you see and paying attention to the world around you because it's your world. It matters. It does. And you should get to talk about it. Here, here. What about you, Devin? I have such a hard time with these questions because it's really difficult for me to like put myself in the context of Dragon Prince characters, like I always feel like what am I, I'm this like weird intruder in these <laughs> characters that I write about. Um, uh, so it's really hard. Um, I think Corvus is a great answer for all the reasons listed. Um, the other one, I guess this is again kind of just cheat me being cheeky, but I would say Kazi again because I think like yeah. they're really inquisitive and fun, and I I think we could talk about like books and stories and just things that get us both yeah. kind of excited and and like nerdy about stuff. Um, for a very, very long time. And I, I really value like all of my friends so I could just sort of like do really intensely heady, nerdy, deep dives about stuff that we enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I think Kazi is the person in the Dragon Prince that comes to mind. And maybe Callum. Callum could probably do this too. I um, almost think Just like nerd out about like some obscure thing. Yep. Like, so it's just me and and Callum and Kazi sitting there like talking about Bloodborne lore. That's my, that's, that's my dream. Anyway. <laughs> Well, both of you, this has been phenomenal. We may or may not have another episode on the, the last 
short story. Um, it is, remains yet to be seen, but for now, um, thank you so much. Remember everybody, you can find uh, Chris and Devin uh, with all their information on our big deep dive into the reflections themselves. And then of course you can find us at BNB underscore pod on all the things and uh, especially Patreon. We definitely recommend you check out our Patreon. Lots of cool things going on there. Um, but until next time, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful, lovely, just thank you both. I'm really grateful. And listeners, thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, Until next time, be well and do well.